Allie Lindenberg. And Nicole Mulkentine. And you're listening to Raw Authenticity. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a podcast where we connect with creatives who are living a life of intentionality. Transparent conversations fuel us, and we value all parts of the creative process, especially the ones that are hard to talk about. Here, you will listen to stories of people who are putting something out into the world, hoping to leave it a little bit better than they found it. So thank you for being a part of this conversation. We're glad you're here. We are so stoked to have Lauren Beegler on the podcast today. Lauren Beegler is the co-founder of Journey, which is a travel company that is all centered around the idea of impact while traveling. It is led by a new generation of travelers driven to address the need of our world and making sure that when we're traveling, we're doing it with purpose. So we're really excited to get to talk to her today. Hi, Lauren. Thank you so much for joining us today on the show. We're really excited to talk to you and hear your story. Thanks, guys. I'm so happy to be here. I have a quick question before we start asking all of our fun interview questions. Is your last name Beagler, like Beagle? <laughs> it's Yeah, it is. It's Beagler. And the fun fact is I actually had a Beagle growing up as a kid. Like, no uh... joke. That's amazing. And his name is Duke, but because our last name is Beagler, everyone just calls him the Beagle. Like, he doesn't oh, have I a name. I love that. Yeah, it's, so it's hilarious. Oh my God, yeah. I'm so glad I asked because I was going to ask you if you like Beagles. <laughs> yeah, I've never been asked that, and I'm, like, dying to tell my that story. So thank <laughs> Thank you. God you have a platform now. Yeah, we're so happy to provide. Fine. We could provide this space for you. I love oh, when dogs you. have ironic names, like Beagle for the a Beagle. Totally. Yeah, I like impulsively put a down payment on a very expensive di- designer dog that's coming to me in eight months, and oh. I want to name it Dogbert, which is like not in line with its cost point. Uh, it sounds like <laughs> you would name like a uh, pound dog Dogbert or something, and this would be like King Charles the Third. But oh I'm pretty gosh. excited for him to get here. But it'll be Dogbert, so we'll probably end up calling him Dog for short. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, that's so good. I yeah. love it. I'm really excited to get him. Yeah. <laughs> To be continued. Yeah, to be continued. Eight months from now, we'll have an episode where I'm like, so I just got dog. (laughs) He's here. Dog the dog is alive. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Let's pull these up. Also, at any point in the interview, if you're like, "Ah, I messed up or this feels weird, we can totally edit it out. Cool. Kind of like what's happening right now, because we didn't have the questions up <laughs> <laughs> no worries I tried to host the pod I was hosting a podcast last year um and the girl it didn't work out but I like got all the trainings did a bunch of the calls did a bunch of the editing and then she was like sorry I'm not gonna do it and I was like whatever but I was like the host so I, I kind of get it from your guys's end yeah so Lauren can you tell our listeners a little about what you do and who you are and why are you creative yes for sure so my name's Lauren Beagler like the dog, the beagle, as we discussed. (laughs) (laughs) And I started a company called Journey. It's searchable by WeJourney, wejourney.co. And what we are doing, we're about a year and a half old, and we're an impact travel company. So we are leading trips of um, 40 to 50 people to five to six countries in Central America where we take part in volunteer work. So it'll be building homes or schools. Uh, We actually built a skate park with Red Bull in March. and you spend two or three days heavily immersed in an impact experience. And then we travel as a group to an integration location, uh, which could be a beach, a desert, uh, any type of relaxation area where we really dive deep into getting to know each other, adventuring, talking about the way we want to show up in the world. And 
basically our, our whole idea when we started journey was like, I don't really feel like anybody's doing this giving back with purpose, this travel with purpose the right way. Like either you're just going to go on a Habitat for Humanity build and not really get to just like unwind and chill after all that hard work you put in, or it's a little bit too light on the impact and too heavy on this like immersive travel experience. So we're trying to hit it right in the middle where we really do make a difference. We partner with nonprofits and get this amazing work done um, in a pretty short time frame, so that you don't have to join something like the Red Cross or something like that to do it. So how long are the trips? The trips are an average of six days, five nights, six days. Cool. I didn't realize that you guys are only a year and a half old. I feel like I, I see a lot of people, maybe just because I'm connected to a community of people that go on a lot of these trips, it feels so prominent. And so I feel like you guys have been able to have so much success um, within only a year and a half. Thank you. Yeah, it has been one of those things that I think the same all the time. I'm like, how are we here in the amount of work and time we put in? I just, I can't believe how fast it grew. I think it's just a sign that people are ready for it. Yeah, I was about to say what you were just talking about, that you felt like there wasn't a company yet that was doing what you're doing. That kind of shows that you really did hit it right in the middle because people are responding. So that's really awesome. Thanks. I hope so. And, um, yeah, for about me personally, um, before Journey, I was, um, I'm 28, so I was living in New York before that, working at Mashable, the media company. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, I started there when I was 22, so it was like a really early stage startup, and I spent my entire time working there. So I went through a bunch of positions in an advertising sales role, um, spent five years doing that, and basically um, felt like I got the, you know, quote-unquote corporate experience that I needed, but when it came time and I felt like it was time for a switch and to make a move, I um, looked around at, you know, comparable companies like Facebook or Google. And I just felt so dissatisfied with my life. I felt really trapped and ultimately pretty unhappy, which was things I was just like fighting against so much. I was like, no, 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 I'm happy. I'm happy. Like I make money and I have this great job, but like really deep down, I just wasn't feeling any of the things that make me myself, which is I think travel, giving back and meeting new people. So um, I saw my co-founder, my now co-founder, Taylor, we'd met once and he posted something on Facebook about Journey. We got in touch and I literally like packed, he's like, I was in New York at the time and he's like, yo, you got to move to LA for this job. And I was like, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, when do I move? So yeah, I like packed up my life and moved uh, a year ago and never looked back. Wow. So how do you feel like your experience at Mashable prepared you for your experience now? For sure. I could never do what I'm doing without the experience at Mashable. Um, I was the 35th hire there or something like that. I don't remember the exact number, but growing with a company that fast, that is also now around 250 people. I went from a assistant to a senior director and I just saw all these rules and structures get in place and as we grew out of Google Docs and into a system, like all of those transitions, I didn't think were valuable until I got to Journey and was like, oh my God, we're back on Google Docs. <laughs> we, have, we have so much work to do. You know, like you just learn so much with a growing startup. So. That's so funny. I work for a startup uh, right now and we're, we're on Google Docs. We are. <laughs> oh no. It's a stressful time. <laughs> I like Google Docs. They're good until you need, until you're big enough where they just don't make any sense. Like if one per, for a while and a small company. Oh, if you had like a hundred people in a Google Yeah. Well, 
Exactly. So it's like when there's one, five people at a company and one person can do that one job, it's fine. But when we started getting hundreds of travelers and now we're into thousands, you can't manage that in a Google drive, Google yeah. drive, you know? So that was when for a while it was totally fine if it was one trip, you know, two trips a year. But, um, yeah, that was a quick lesson for us. Wow. <laughs> That's a really funny, Opening like, our eyes. I'm like, we need to get a Google doc. Yeah. yeah. A huge milestone for us. Yeah. We can switch a Google doc place. <laughs> we can switch out a Google drive. <laughs> yeah. Um, so at the core of journey's work is the belief that everybody has the capacity for social good. And we're wondering when did you discover that capacity within yourself? So that's a really good question. I think that really oftentimes we know one really philanthropic person and you think like, God, that's just so cool that they do that stuff all the time. And you almost like don't think that you can or you're like, oh, it seems like a lot of work or at least that was the case for me. Like I felt very much like I would look at all these people that were philanthropic and think like, oh, one day I'll do that. And what I've just realized over time is that it's like a muscle. It's like eating right. It's something that you need discipline to keep doing. And I think that like you just have to go do it. And sometimes it feels like a pain. And really what you're doing at the end of the day is serving yourself by serving others. And you come out of it feeling better than you did before. And ultimately it is this like vehicle for positive nurturement for yourself. And I think that if you can just get in the habit of doing it, um, that's like a different way to think about it and talk about it. Um, so my answer is that I basically started to do that on my own and I realized like what type of community it bred. And I actually, besides for journey, which is the core thing I do, I have a blog called ripple effect.live where I just volunteer once a week, wherever I am. And I like write about it, just trying to encourage people to do the same. So does that answer the question? Yeah, I think that absolutely answers the question. Um, it, what you were saying kind of reminds me about the saying self-care is group care um, mm. and how like taking care of yourself is synonymous with taking care of the group. And in totally. this case, it's almost like the backwards way of it that it's like group, like group care, care is self-care. self-care. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> I think so. I mean, I think that it's not, a, there's no shame in saying that make, giving back makes you feel good. Like, oh, absolutely. You know, so I think if you could just position it in a way that you look at it that way and say, like, I'm doing this for myself. Like, I feel better because literally today I went to a, the local animal shelter here, and if I ha- it just made a better my day so much better because I got to like do something nice for someone else, and it took me outside. I got to walk the dogs and play with the cats, and just like felt way more amazing than sitting and you know maybe just sitting outside and reading on my lunch break or something like that. Also, I don't at least in my own personal ideology that I don't think that I can set out to change the world. Like I'm mm-hmm. probably not going to change the entire world, but I, I can set out to change my world and to make that a more positive place. And that's an attainable goal. And for me to do that, that requires making the people around me and the communities around me also happy in order to lift myself up as well. And so I think that those go very hand in hand. And it reminds me of a lot of what you're saying. Totally. I think some people have a hard time when they start out with impact work, because when you look at it, you're like, I'm never going to scratch the surface. Even Mm -hmm. if Journey was able to do all of the things we want to do, there's just never enough. It's a never ending project is, is getting involved in social work. But there's like a couple ways I, I can't remember. I'm going to butcher the, the saying, but someone said, if you think that one person can't make a difference, like 
have you ever been trapped in a room with one mosquito? Like you wake up in the morning or something like that where it's like, yeah, like one tiny thing can like completely demolish your body. And like they're a fraction, you, you know, like you can barely even see them with your eyes. So I think that it's like, you know, every time you ask yourself, am I doing something good? Am I really giving back? I think you just have to think about if you didn't go. Like if you didn't go, that house wouldn't have gotten built. That dog would have gotten walked. These things wouldn't have happened. And that's how you have to measure what you can do with your time. And yeah. Yeah, 100%. I also loved that you um, really talked about getting out there and doing it. I think with millennials, it's, I you know, we've heard criticism of there's so much slacktivism. It's really easy to post on Facebook and say that you care about something. But there's a difference totally. between saying you care about something and showing up and doing the work. And I'm not saying that like, all you know social media movements or things like that aren't important they absolutely do bring awareness but when you're getting your hands you know dirty you're actually out there giving back that's different than just saying i care about these things it's you know being able to kind of like walk the walk and get out there and um really learn by experience totally i um it's like kind of off topic but it reminds me of what Allie had said i uh two years ago had this picnic oh my god it's so sad it's so sad so i uh really love the organization charity water um Uh i think that they're so cool um i love the impact that they have and i love the sustainability of it and i also love the large amount of data that comes back from it and so how it has like that very large follow-through with the people who donate and so i decided that i want to do a charity water campaign And my goal was, I think, like, it was, like, pretty small. I think my goal was, like, $250, and I ended up raising, like, $450, which I was really proud of. But I was thinking, like, how can we, like, get people involved and, like, get a conversation going? Because we obviously can't all go to these places, Mm -hmm. like, to install the water here. I just need to raise the money um, in order to, like, equip the people who can. And so I was like, well, what if instead of going to a frat party and bringing beer and, like, spending that $5 on a drink, we just, like, I can get places to donate food and we do a picnic that you bring and, like, donate what you can and instead we just, like, talk about these things that matter. And it was called A Picnic for Good. And I had... <laughs> was good. It was a whole very pizza-full event. And so I... Did you just say pizza-full? Yeah, it was pizza-full. There's a, sh- a shit ton of pizza. Yeah, there's a lot of pizza. <laughs> The Shout out lo- Domino's. Yeah, the Domino's? local Domino's donated Thanks. like 12 pizzas. And oh so I made this Facebook event and like over 100 people. So it was like 100. I think it was 122. Yeah. So obviously I'm scrambling to get pizza. And so <laughs> I'm not kidding when I say 12 people came. No. Oh my God. It was, she was so sad. It <laughs> was, she cried she a lot. We were like, it was still so important. Like you raised all this money. And like that was just when we realized. Uh, the discrepancy between people saying, you know, I'm going on Facebook and what that means in real life. Like, that just, like, opened up our doors, and we completely treated Facebook events differently after that. But Oh, absolutely. Anybody who came, I was like, you're a queen and a king, and I love you all. (laughs) Yeah, I think everyone has that story of, like, the birthday party that had 100 – like, I've definitely had that happen in New York where I was like, oh, my God, 120 people are the key to this. Like – well, we can't fit that many people. And then, like, you know, 30 show up, and you're like, okay, yeah. cool. No, and all of them you room. texted. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the only one probably, like, actually talked to. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's really funny. <laughs> That's what I basically did for Picnic for Good. I was like, are you coming? No? <laughs> yes? <laughs> Let me yeah. learn. Um, oh, my God. But so we are so fortunate to be connected to just even a small portion of the really beautiful community of fellow creatives that you have um, that are so incredibly supportive. What is something that they actively do that pushes you and journey forward? So, yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful for our community. Um, I, I never, I think now that, like I said, when I left Mashable, I was meeting a lot of people at it professionally that didn't care about their work. Like, you know, they, you would just like see them chatting about agency life and like, just sort of like their eyes glaze over thinking about like the happy hour they're going to or whatever. And I was like, I cannot live a life where like people don't care about their job. Like that just is like mind blowing to me that you can live your whole life and just like get by. And so since I've started journey, I just feel like I've been surrounded by people who are all doing cool shit. Like they just take risks. They're doing what they love and they're not afraid of what will happen. And I think that like the biggest questions that come up when you say that are like, what about money? What about, you know, how do you make that work? And it's like, you just make it work. Like as soon as you do it, you, you just get creative and you, you find new ways of getting by. And I think that's what makes a creative, like truly a creative because you just can't live your life otherwise. Like you have to be doing what you love. And most of the people in my circle right now are doing that. So there is an Alan Watts, um, talk that he gave or a speech that he gave Mm, that was, oh my God. Love Alan Dead. Watts. And, yeah, and, yeah like, passes so out. Inspiring. Yeah. yeah, shout out Alan like, Watts. Yeah, yeah. this episode oh shouts God. out Dominos and Alan Watts. Yeah, brought yeah. to you by Dominos and Alan Watts. <laughs> and in his talk, he uh, says that he is, talks to um, college students who are about to graduate, and he asks them like, if money were no object, what would you want to mm. be? And they say like, I want to be a painter. I want to be. I want to ride horses. Like, I want to do all these different things. And he was like, so why don't you do that? And why is it that we have this barrier between money and, like, what we actually want to do? And he talks about how, why do we work? Why do we make money? We make money so that we can do the things that we want to do and so that Mm -hmm. we can, like, live these lives that we want to do. But if the thing that you want to do is your job, then really you only need to have money to put a roof over your head and food in your mouth because you're already doing the thing that you love. And it's like, that's what his whole talk is about. That it's like, we work these jobs that we don't love to do things that we love, but we don't have the time to do them because we're spending all of our time doing this thing we don't love. So instead just skip that step, make a little bit less and do something you love 40 hours of the week. Totally. And I think that it's hard. Like one thing I will say in defense of anyone listening who feels this frustration of like, well, I don't know what I love. Like, I think that's also something that, you know, like I definitely felt that way. It's like, I would look a million places and like half volunteer because I was like, I know I love it kind of dovetails in the last question, but I'm like, I know I love social impact. And I started to love it uh, two years into Mashable when we started planning the social good summit with the UN foundation and, um, 92Y, we had these like amazing speakers like Deepak Chopra the first year and all these amazing people coming through. And I remember like sitting in that stage, I was like 24 thinking like, that is what I want to do with my life. But even after that, I would go and research organizations that I could potentially give back with. And I kept finding like, 
I don't really want to work at a nonprofit because it's just like not cool. They're so outdated. It's like really slow moving. And I'm not sure that I love just animals. I'm not sure that I, you know, I don't love just homeless. You know, it's like, I totally identify with not knowing what you love. And so, you know, I'm not saying that I've like nailed it, but I'm just saying, keep trying things and you'll meet a person that you'll forget about and they forget about you. And then like two years later, something will bring you together. And that's when the magic happens. Like it's all about who you meet and because anyone that's trying things and just putting themselves out there also is motivated and probably wants to find something too. So yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because that's definitely me right now. Like <laughs> it, to a T I like just graduated, graduated college like a month and a half ago and I have my degree in social work and I really care about like social impact. But then just this past year when I when we launched raw, I was like, wait, I really love entrepreneurship. I really love building community. I really, but like, I don't know if the job that I want like exists yet. And I don't know, you know, if I want to go the traditional social work route or like what, like I have no clue. So I'm definitely totally. living, in, living in that right now. And I've had to accept that that's okay. And like yeah. every step is a step, but I'm really glad you brought that up because I'm sure there's other people that are feeling like that too. Absolutely. Yeah. Also yeah, the finance. Just... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say the financial reality is so true about creatives. And we talked about that with Perry a lot. Like that was a really good point that he brought up that other creatives haven't brought up that yet is like, you still have to be able to pay rent and like eat. Totally. And, like, that's a very real aspect of. And honestly, creative. like I'm a big believer that like my time at Mashable, it, it, it did matter. Like I was making real money. I got a career. I have marketable skills under my belt. And if I didn't do that, I don't think I would be at, able to be as taken as seriously at journey. Like, I think that it's really when you're young and you're like, what do I want to do? I don't do what I love. Like you have to look at the big picture and think like, what's the best investment in yourself and don't feel bad that you might have taken a corporate job or you might just be paying your bills because that's a reality of your life. And when you turn 28 or 30 and you have a little bit of money saved and you have, you know, the resource, the skills like to go and make something happen, it'll be 10 times more successful. So I just say be always be easy on yourself about about what you're up to. It always works I love out. That. It's like, I feel like these are all the things that we need to hear yeah, right now. I'm and like, I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Should I, be I do need to be easier on myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you have traveled to some very incredible places with Journey and probably in your life otherwise as well. But we want to know, is there a place that you haven't been to yet that's still on your list? I'm dying to go to Morocco. Oh my God. Same. Yeah. Retweet. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> this resonates. So, yeah, I don't, that's just, I was actually trying to make it work. We were doing a journey to Greece in June and I was, uh, like desperately planning the Morocco route. And I just like looked at it and I was like, yeah, that's not going to work. It's like so far away. <laughs> it's like so hot, but yeah, that's, that's like high, high, probably just like number one on my list right now. I'm not sure why, but I, um, really wanted to go to Spain and I was going to Southeast Asia and in my mind, my <laughs> one friend was going to go to Bangladesh, and I didn't really want to go to Bangladesh that badly. And I was like, oh, I'm already out. I might as well go to Spain. And I genuinely don't know why I thought that. I, like, looked into flights, and I was like, <laughs> what's wrong with me? Like, I just, just a hop, skip, and a jump. I just really <laughs> wanted to go to Spain. And so I was like, oh, well, while I'm out there. I was, yeah, I know. 
but that's like seriously like that's like i'm in australia and i want to go to russia you know and you're like i'm already here i'm already traveling it's like for some reason you just like think like that when you're on anywhere not in the united states you're like i'm on a move might as well yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) what is your favorite place that you've been to oh my gosh um oh wait i think i know the answer to this oh okay yeah turkey Turkey was my favorite place oh, I've ever been. I really want to go to Turkey. Yeah. I was in Istanbul, and um, we spent some time there, and then went to Cappadocia, which is a really cool mountainous region. It's I don't know. It's pretty famous. If you guys have ever seen that, that like, Pinterest or Instagram photo of all those hot air balloons that go up on this, like, very yeah. mountainous. Yeah. That's Cappadocia. It's, like, what they're known for. So they put up, like, hundreds of hot air balloons, like, every morning, and it's in this, like, very beautiful place, and... Um, yeah, Turkey was the first time I've been close to Arabic culture, so I'd, I'd never really experienced. I've been to Spain, Latin America, um, all over Europe, and I'd never really felt so impacted by the cultural differences. And um, I really loved it. And and then we went to Israel after that, um, where the where those um, I liked it too. But Turkey was definitely my favorite spot. That's awesome. I would really yeah. like to go to Turkey. I've been to Israel, and um, that was a really, like, fascinating place, especially, I don't know if you were in Jerusalem, like, in the, mm-hmm. like, where all the quarters split. It's so crazy. So cool. Like, in the old city, like, everything's so close to each other, but all of the cultures are so different. So different. It's, like, so fascinating. Um, it's so fascinating. Israel is such an amazing place. Like, I want to go back and spend months there. I just don't think you can see it in a short period of time. Oh, absolutely. There's so many different parts because there's, like, most of it is secular. Like, I feel like a a lot of the time people think of Israel, I think, like, really religious and, like, holy areas. And that's really just, like, Jerusalem. And then there's, like, Tel Tel Aviv is, like, super hopping. But um, one of my best friends um, that I grew up with is in the Israeli army right now because she had dual citizenship. And she was just like, I don't really want to go to college yet, so I'm going to go into the Israeli army. And she's doing, like, service work through that. But she's been there for, like, a year and a half, and she goes exploring, like, every weekend. And she's always – and she's also kind of a photographer, so she's always posting all these incredible places that she's been. And I'm just, like, marking so them cool. all down yeah. on my list. I'm like, and yeah. I'm going to do all those one day. <laughs> yeah. Yep, I know. The list never ends. The more you travel, the more you're like, wow, I've seen nothing. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I also, at least for myself – um when I first started traveling I only really wanted to like go to European countries and then I Mm -hmm. started venturing to European countries and I was like I want to go to a lot more than European countries but like Europe was like the closest culture jump to America so I feel like it was like an easy stepping stone into traveling and then now like I want to go everywhere and anywhere um I really want to go to India and my mom is like it's such a different culture and I'm like yeah 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 that's why I want to go yeah I'm pretty interested in that (laughs) but I do think I actually started traveling the same way I went to Europe first right out of college and spent two months there and I think that actually is the right way to start traveling the there's but I think because it is just like especially for women like let's not maybe not the same for men but I think that um, when it's a, just a fraction removed from the culture that you know, it, you're just more comfortable, mm-hmm. and that lets you get comfortable with, like, hostels and meeting people and going, yeah, like, saying yes to that train ride that you normally wouldn't have said yes to. And so that really equipped me to be ready for, like, Latin America, mm-hmm. where I was like, oh, my God, this is so different. Like, and and now I, like, sleep in the weirdest places, and I'm like, it doesn't matter. 
Yeah. <laughs> my, my um sister's fiance is Peruvian. He's from Lima, mm. Peru. And so we've been to Peru a lot as a family and they're actually getting married there this summer. And oh, awesome. Like, it's so crazy. All the stories she would tell me, she'd be like, yeah, we were just like took a bus ride to the mountains because it was like the cheapest we could find. She was like, there's just like chickens, people just like with chickens and goats just like on the bus, just like going to the mountain. <laughs> like all this like really crazy stuff of just like that you're not used to. Well, she was in Lima, which was like the big city. It's like huge. Yeah. Like right when you get outside of that, it's totally different. It's like yeah. a completely different I've world. actually been to Lima as well. And I went to the countryside and was like, this is different because Lima is a massive city. It's huge. It's huge. It's like 9 yeah. million people. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. humongous. It's so big. So uh, raw authenticity is devised of two words. It's both. No, I didn't do this. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, <laughs> do you want to still do this? Yes. Oh, uh, yeah, we could do it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Sorry. Uh, so, okay. sorry, uh, Allie had a question highlighted, and I thought that it was because we already did it, so I skipped it on accident, and so that's why <laughs> she just said that to me. Um, but, so, um, Journey works very heavily with brands. Um, how do you go about selecting brands and fitting them into your mission? Because I think that in order to, like, naturally make that connection between brands and your own company it's kind of devising two different stories and putting it towards one how do you go about that process totally so the brand world is my world i love creative content storytelling and collaboration those are things that in addition to i'm the coo of journey so i run the business and i see uh the operations but i also my real love is is brand partnership and storytelling and um I think that it's one of the hardest and funnest things about business because you really do need to have a business model that's functioning without brands because they're very non-committal. Like sometimes it's like, it's like your birthday party. Like sometimes <laughs> a brand's like, I'm in for a hundred thousand dollars and you're like, great, I'm going to bank on that. And then they pull out like the day before it's supposed to launch. And you're like, how it just happens all the time in, in that world because like, you know, direction changes from the top and the budgets are pulled and they don't care because like it's their money. So it's really hard because like you can't fully rely on it. And that's the biggest challenge. Um, in addition to finding a brand that wants to tell a story in the right way. So at Mashable, we used to struggle with that sometimes of like really learning when to say no, to be like, we have a voice of a brand voice and we're, we're here to tell stories around tech and tech culture and digital media. And when a brand deviated from that or was trying to put in their own um, kind of like agenda, we we had to confront like, is the money worth it? And um, how much do we make exceptions for a brand that wants to tell their story? Um, at Journey, we've, we work with brands um, that are very like-minded, which is really, it's almost just like so much easier because what we're doing is such a niche in the market. So it's like when you meet someone that has like a conscious business, it's just, you're there, you're already there telling the same story, you know, like, because even if you're saving elephants, um, with like, we work with this company called elephant pants that sell these pants that go back to, um, an elephant conservatory, like their mission is still to make a dent in the world, which is ours. And so right away you're like, cool, we get it. We're on the same page. Mm -hmm. Um, and we recently, like I mentioned before, we did start, we did a big partnership with Red Bull, um, in March. And that was a, that was the coolest partnership to land because I already had the wheels in motion to do a skate park in Costa Rica. And as I was planning it and I actually raised the money for that, I raised $35,000 by myself to build the skate park. And when I raised it like 15 grand, I was like, 
I cannot do this without a brand. And so the first one that came to mind was Red Bull. I like got in their offices and just went in there and was like, look, we have this amazing project. And they're just, I wish every company could be like them because they just are so down with, with like the cause. And they're just like, you know what, if we can't support you, an athlete will like, and they just went so out of their way to try and make this work. And then eventually the partnership did work out, um, with the corporate and a few pro athletes. But, um, it just kind of has to be one of those like good fits, right time, right, right place where both people are trying to get the same message across. I really love that. I also really love, I'm a big fan of Red Bull and, um, the company or the drink, uh, I don't even drink the drink, but I really like them as a company. That's okay. Um, Me too. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are like that. My brother um, and I watch a lot of their Red Bull climbing videos that they do. They're so good. I think they do a really good job at the content marketing that they do. They're amazing. I swear to God, they're just like my favorite company on the planet. After working with them and seeing all the layers in there, I also don't drink it, but I'm like number one Red Bull fan. Well, that's, like, really awesome, too, that they have so many fans that, like, love what they're doing and would support them that don't even, like, you know, necessarily use their product, but, like, like their content. Like, yeah. that's really, yeah. that's, you're doing something right when, like, you're totally. having people who aren't even interested in your product as a part of your, like, brand and excited about your story. Totally. Like, that's so unheard of. Well, and I think Red Bull just like really keeps their, they just keep it real. Like they're out there being risk takers and they're like truly doing pioneering things. And that's how the culture feels. Like when you work with them, like everybody's stoked to work there. Everybody's proud. Everybody loves it. And so I think that's also something I really admire about the company is that their own employees love it that much too. I love the slogan, Red Bull gives you wings. I love it. Yeah. They're the best. Empowering. Love that. Shout out to Red Bull. <laughs> yeah, this this podcast yeah. was brought to you by Alan Watts, Domino's, and Red Bull. Just kidding. Yeah. Good combo. Yeah. Real jacked up on that night. All right, well, we're gearing towards the end here. Um, and this is a question we actually ask all of our creatives because it really hits home with with what raw authenticity is about, um, which is our name, raw authenticity is made up of two words, which is raw and authenticity. And we've explained this before, but it's just because we believe as creatives, there there are amazing parts of the story, but there are also gritty parts and we want the whole picture, not just a selective piece. And so we really wanna know, when do you feel the most raw? So when I, I think I feel the most raw when I'm home from traveling. And I think that I was thinking about this because um, when you're traveling, you are experiencing and everything's new and it, all the senses are alert and it's like you you lose time. And I think when I feel the most raw is when I actually come back to a stable place because it just, all these things come up and I'm like, oh my God, life, you know? And I think that, whatever wasn't processed on that trip or it's really just a time where you're home and it's safe to be, I guess, raw. I don't know if that's the way you guys mean the question, but where you're like, this is sort of my safe space and I'm going to think about some of the things that happened there or some of the things happening in my life that I didn't let come through. And now that I'm home, it's like a safer place to do that. If that makes sense. That makes absolute sense. I, um, experience a lot of transitional anxiety when it comes to travel. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that traveling 
is half the experience when you're there and half of it is the reflection process when you come home and the implementation of what did I learn and how did I change and grow there and now how does that affect me in this life that I'm living and how do I continue to be ignited and to be experiencing new things like I did there in this place that can oftentimes feel so ordinary to me totally I 100% agree yeah, I also agree. You really uh sick. <laughs> sick nasty. God. Nailed nailed it on the head. So <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> so when people listen to this, they're going to want to go on a journey trip. They're gonna to want to follow the journey story and know more about you, Lauren. And your uh, beagle. <laughs> and mostly the beagle, obviously. Um, where can people find you? Yes. Okay. So you can find Journey at We Journey as Instagram. Our website is wejourney.co. And then I'm on Instagram as at Beegs, at B I E G Z underscore. And um, yeah, I also have that blog that I was telling you guys about called rippleeffect.live, um, where you can check in on what I'm up to in my volunteering projects that are just personal and for fun. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I truly, truly loved this conversation. Me too. It was so fun. You guys are so great. Thank you for listening to Rothenticity today. We had a great time making this episode and hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to learn more about us, you can find us at www.rothenticity.com or on Instagram and Facebook at Rothenticity. If you loved this episode, you should subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud. We also want to give a huge shout out to Rachel Clevenger. That rocking music you heard at the beginning was beautifully composed by her. We'll see you next week when we sit down with another incredible creative.